0: just talking about uh you know what you guys do for the for the community you know Vince our co-host you know in, he wanted to come by and he you know he's a member of the public he he enjoys hiking and and uh I just I just wanted him to come out just to get the the public's aspect of this podcast sure absolutely love that again so I mean uh Vince is just you know a member of the community you know our producer and uh it's got uh, our co host also. To, it's always good to have Vince on here and talk and get the the the, pers- the perspective
1: of the community and the public. Oh, and, absolutely. And uh, how you doing, Vince? Hey, good man. Thanks for thanks for letting me come on for a little bit. You know, I I, I was just sitting here like amazed by the conversation. You know, cause some of it was just like. From a firefighter's perspective, at ad, administrative side, and then like some of the things you're talking about, uh, being prepared out in the wilderness. So I gotta ask a couple questions from my perspective, and some people who go out in the outdoor in the community. You know, the cold COVID things going on, everyone is getting cabin fever, wants to get out and do some things. Uh, my girlfriend and I hike a lot, and we go out, and you know, we've even bought one of those little Garmin SOS. Uh, uh, devices yeah. that can you know if you get you know have, have a, an emergency in the middle of nowhere we were kind of wondering about that stuff we do overnighting we do extended overnights and backpacking too so you know just the first first thing is is uh if I'm if I get stuck out in the middle of nowhere and you said you can drop care packages you can also do I'm messing up the words here but the bucket lift or, or you can take us out of there if we need to and you may not be able to get to us you can throw a Uh, a care package and stuff. If I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I have the ability through an SOS system and something has gone terribly wrong, right? um, What is the criteria to, to press that SOS? Like say, I'm just tired. (laughs) I'm not in the middle of nowhere. I don't think I want to walk 20 miles to get back to where I'm at. Do I hit the SOS or, you know, do I have to have a broken leg or I'm out of water and I'm potentially, you know, I'm going to be get hypothermia overnight or dehydration during the day. What's the criteria that threshold I should think of?
2: Uh, yeah, Vince, that's, that's a great question. And uh, I, I wish I had a one, uh, a, a very specific protocol that, uh, that we follow. And the reality of it is brothers is that we see, we see it all. So we see as some people who are just, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm tired. I don't want to walk anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it out of here. And, um, and they call and it's like, hey, there were only about maybe 30 yards from the trail and maybe a mile from where they needed to be. Uh, and by us going out there to kind of evaluate that criteria, kind of be the, the eye in the sky and see where their coordinates are at. We kind of say, hey, well, you're not very far from where you need to be. You just keep going in this location because what we don't want to do is take a, a lot of inherent risk for mm-hmm. something that. You know, we know that these individuals could just potentially walk out. Now, um, we've we've also had some where people are still that close from the from the trail, and uh, but they're severely dehydrated mm-hmm. to the point where they're going. They're potentially going to have a syncope episode. Well, that's changed now. You know, I mean, that's that's definitely more of a, a critical medical condition. So we feel that it's, uh by by taking in that information, and we can safely. Uh, get some people into the ground, uh, you know, we, we would do that. Or we would anything encourage, yes, co- you know, use your SOS. Try to get uh, contact a dispatch center so that we can even get ground units uh, to you. So uh, it's just, uh, it, it really depends on, on what your comfort comfort level is. You know, it sounds like you go out, you hike a lot, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty sure of yourself, mm-hmm. and you kind of know what your capabilities are. So let's just say you had a little bit of a sprained ankle, you, you took a wrong... A jump off of a rock and it's kind of, ah, mm. oh, it's kind of bothering me, but I think I'm going to be okay because you do it quite often, mm. right? And uh, you end up making it out on your own. Or say you jump off the rock and you sprain your ankle and say, ah, this is not just a sprain. Mm. This is a break. I, I'm fairly confident I'm not going to be able to get out of here right. on my own. Well, then that's the time to, you know, hit that SOS um, or, you know, try to contact EMS to, to try to get us there. So each individual is going to be a little bit different. Um, again, just kind of evaluate your mm. your situation, but the one thing that I really would encourage anybody is that if they feel that they're not gonna be able to get out on their own, call us as quick as they possibly can because daylight is always an issue for us. Right. Um, we do fly at night. We do have uh, night vision capabilities. Um, and we recently just trained up to do night hoisting operations. Uh, so those are capabilities to try to get you out, but it doesn't mean that we're gonna be able to do that. Every mission we take is is, is very right. unique and it's very critical. So what's happened in the past is, uh, you know. People wait till probably an hour before sundown, and they say, "Hey, I'm probably not going to be able to get out of here i They end up you know hitting their s o s That's the time cone. that they hit yeah yeah when when they were actually they already kind of knew what their condition was three to four hours prior to that, so right. you know it's it's kind of one of those those catch twenty twos uh you know I don't think it's necessary to call us if it's just something where you know you you still feel that you can get out or you're just you know kind of looking for some some moral support, yeah but two. If you truly feel that you're not going to be able to get out of there, call us as quick as possible so we can get the resources uh, needed, whether on the ground or in the air. So it sounds like one of the things that you said then, like, well, if you're you're more experienced hiking, you kind of know your
1: capabilities. And, you know, like I – carry water we carry snacks we carry a little small first aid kit usually my girlfriend works in a hospital so she's always like i gotta have the first aid kit ready to go and but then like you said we see some people out out pretty far up and in some places where yeah you know like la luge trail here in the yeah. sandias that's one of those places where i was surprised to hear well people can fall down and die but also i wasn't surprised about that but i was surprised that uh they need to be rescued because it's like right on the front side of the mountain. You would think that's not a very scary place, but it's someone not knowing their capabilities and not being prepared with water or even clothing. Like, you know, it's a desert. It gets really cold at night. It gets really hot in the daytime. So you can get either hypothermia at night or dehydration in the same day sometimes. So knowing your, it sounds like knowing your, 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 skill set and where you're at and like you can
2: die in any situation if you're not prepared. Uh, absolutely. And I, I just want to say first off by saying, Vince, you know, thank you for going out when you go out being prepared, you and your you and your girlfriend there. You know, that's that's what we encourage everybody to do. And and we'd have to say that uh, a large majority of the people that are utilizing these trails are doing all the right things. They are they're 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 wearing the proper clothing. They're packing food and water. They have the ability to, you know, uh, have a phone to be able to contact uh, uh medical or dispatch whatever they need to do uh but there is still that small population of people who um they just they 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 go underprepared and those are the the people that we tend to find um ourselves out there rescuing not all the time i mean we've definitely gone out there and rescued very experienced hikers uh climbers uh backpackers Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. anybody can find themselves in these these situations but um oh yeah you hear of people who've been doing it their whole lives and they got caught in a freak blizzard
1: or a freak rain you know they get caught in a slot canyon or they get you know in a a freeze or something um a couple more questions last two questions for you have is like so if i do have to get rescued uh, you know who pays for that like what what entity is the one that goes out there because i've i've done some trails before where they say hey don't be you know don't be silly or stupid out there because you're going to have to pay five grand to take a helicopter trip out of here. Like, how does that how does that ha- work
2: with our, your local jurisdiction or how do I know the jurisdictions or how that works? Yeah, well, whoever those individuals were, they're saying that there's there's the absolutely some some truth to that. But what I can tell you with uh, the Bernalillo County um, resource that's available to you through our program, through the Metro Air Support Unit and the Air Rescue Task Force and the UNM Regentry Program. If uh, we f- go in, we fly in, uh, whether we hoist you out, we land, put you in our aircraft, fly you back, Somewhere, where we short haul you out on a on a long on a long line, um, uh, there's no cost associated with it at all. This is a public use helicopter, so that means that the taxpayer pays for this. Um, now, there's been a few situations where. Um, Again, we have the capabilities of providing full ALS medical care, but if we can get if the depending on the criticality of that patient, if we can get them to another air agency like lifeguard, PHI, um, med flight, uh to fly those individuals out, like I stated earlier, our bread and butter is to get them out of that austere environment via landing, hoisting, short haul, whatever it takes, then we wanna kinda hand them off to another uh, another agency and sometimes that is an air agency. So are basically operation part of that you're going to see no you're going to see no bill for that But if we hand you over to another agency like Albuquerque Ambulance, Lifeguard, PHI, MedFlight, the private ones, yep. your private ones, you're going to see a bill associated with it. So I I definitely want to distinguish the two um, because we've had that situation where we've we helicoptered somebody out and then we transferred them over to to these this other air ambulance and they got a bill and they got a big bill and they're like, hey, I thought I wasn't going to get charged (laughs) for this. Uh, Well, you didn't get charged from us. You got charged from them. So just for the public's point of view, it's like, hey,
1: be prepared because it could not it could cost you not just your. Life, or if you make it through, it could be a stiff bill if you're not. So just be smart. Look up some common sense tactics and things to be prepared, and uh, you won't have
2: to to worry about your life or the big bill. Absolutely. And again, and what what I encourage anybody though, um, you know, you you can't put a price on a life. So if you find yourself in a situation, don't uh, let that be the primary focus. Uh, Contact dispatch. We're going to do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that uh, we can get resources to you and get you out of there. Um, You know and. And financing it should be the last thing you think about, especially yeah. if somebody's critically hurt. That's true. And and last question I had, uh, just real quick, because this was on the news. I remember
1: watching it. I remember freaking out because it was it was a video uh, on the news of, a, like, I think an 80- or 90-year-old woman being uh, rescued out of Arizona. I think she was in the desert, and she was dehydrated, had a lot of other issues. And I just remember the, the video, and we'll, we'll play it on our YouTube channel, of her just spinning out of control and then getting hoisted up. And, like, from my perspective, a lot of friends were like, holy crap, if that was to happen to me, just leave me out there. You know, like I don't want to have to take a two hour (laughs) helicopter trip where I'm spinning, you know, like, I mean that revolution, the speed, she was like, it was like a fun park, you know, she wasn't having fun. (laughs) I I talked to you before this episode, you get shed some light on it. So I know it's funny. It's, it's sad. It's tragic. It's scary, but there was also an impact to the local rescue crew too. And tell us a little bit about that from that perspective, what we should know.
2: Yeah, no, I I think everybody knows what, what uh, we're talking about there i mean I, it was even on like the the late night show um you know they they did a a funny bit about it but uh the fact of the matter is that somebody there was there was a flight agency involved there was actually a patient that that happened to and it was just uh it was kind of a bad day for everybody involved um but before you know i sit back and try to armchair quarterback anybody's rescues or missions just to say that you know that air agency out there in arizona has performed multiple rescues and they've done amazing jobs out there with the with the stuff that they do and we've followed them you know they they've had their program even longer than we have and um you know those guys do really great work out there but in this situation yeah they found themselves and kind of a, ba- and a in a bad situation where um, a patient started to spin, and what you got to understand with uh, with the aircraft and kind of the physics and you know how the the effects of the rotors uh, work from the ground in the air uh, as soon as you pick somebody up off the ground um, depending on you know where they're at. Um, From the ground uh, in space in the air and as you're lifting over the the helicopter, there's a there's kind of this cone that goes underneath the the helicopter and we call that the dirty air. And uh, if you get somebody in that dirty air, uh, they're going to spin. And uh, so, what do you do to to get them out of that dirty air? air? Well, you can you adjust and manipulate uh, your helicopter uh, so you can try to avoid that. Uh, You there's different hoisting techniques that you can use, but the primary thing that needed to be done in that situation is uh, it's just dynamic, and that means fly forward and essentially get that load out of that dirty cone there. So then now the load is somewhat behind the aircraft, which is no longer underneath the the aircraft and that kind of dirty air. Situation, so it'd be a little bit easier if I had a, a diagram to kind of explain that. But that's really the short end of it. Uh, you know, I, to to we we've had uh, hoisting situations where you know people start to spin nowhere to that extent. It's just we're talking like a one or two little spins, and the first thing we do is we we elevate, lift up, so that we're clear of any overhead obstructions, and then we immediately start flying forward. So, so it um, could have been that they were just trying to slow hoister up, and they spent more time in
1: that kind of funnel thing, and and we need to be at least a little bit you know like you said these guys have done lots of rescues dozens or maybe even hundreds without incident
2: this one just happened to be caught on the news yeah you know that's the that irony behind that right is uh you know they didn't get all the good ones on tv that they do they got they got yeah. the bad ones and, yeah. and, and and you know that's sometimes how an organization or even individual can be defined for you know the rest of their career or um for, forever how long until something else changes but um you know, yeah, this one was kind of, it kind of sucked because they caught it on, they caught it on film and, and every rescue that we do, um, for the most part, it, it's usually a picture's being taken mm-hmm. or somebody's filming because a lot of times these individuals are on the ground and, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at this stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had a, we, we had a rescue that went international. Um, and when we lifted this guy off the ground, you know, there was a, a little bit of a spin, uh, nothing drastic like that, but, uh, there's always going to be somebody there to armchair quarterback, how it could have been d- done differently or why did they even hoist them out? Why did right. they carry him out? So at the end of the day, each organization has to evaluate how they do things. Uh, there is a very strategic um – what we call a, a a general assessment of risk that we take before we do any type of mission. So if we're hoisting somebody out, we're short hauling somebody, we're landing, you know, we've, we've, we keep safety at as our top priority and uh it's all calculated risk that we take in order to do these things.
1: Hey, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for giving me a little in, in, insight on that. Absolutely, I'm going to give Vince. it back to Robert. Absolutely.
0: Thanks Vince. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, talk, going back to talk about, you know, that there's that one incident they filmed that's bad. I mean, you could do two <laughs> or 300 incidents yeah. that are perfect. Yes. And you have that one incident, they're
2: spinning, you know, and then the, <laughs> it just goes viral. I mean, it's, that's crazy how, how it works. Yeah. You, know? It, you know, and for us, uh, you know, some organization that was going to happen to, right. And, sure. you know, they're the ones taking it on the chin right now. So what we do as, as an organization is we evaluate that. And, um, you know, we, we learn from other people's mistakes as well. And you know, if we, if we ever find ourselves in a situation, we know what to do. We train on that on a daily basis. As soon as you pick your load up, let's get forward flight as quick as possible. We try to keep it as dynamic as possible. And, and we've worked with, um, uh, an air agency, uh, called Air Zermont. They're out of uh, Europe and Switzerland. And I mean, these guys are world renowned, uh, hoist operators, hoist specialists, pilots. Uh, these guys do, I mean, just tremendous work. I mean, we're talking like a thousand hoists in a year um, out there on the Matterhorn. And uh, those individuals have come down and and worked directly with us. And if anything, we found that we've modeled our air unit, our air support unit, very similar to them. And, uh, just two weeks ago, we, um, we just worked with Air Zermont on doing our night hoisting operations and man, um, Oliver Kaiser, I, uh, he's just a phenomenal instructor. Uh, he's also a U.S. citizen too. He's a, he's a, an active member of the military. Uh, but he, he works out in Air Zermont and, um, Uh, Patrick I'm feeling really bad he's uh he was if you guys ever want to see a great um documentary if you go to Red Bull TV and watch the series The Horn uh these are the guys that uh, we trained with and uh they brought in some really great techniques and uh our the University of New Mexico Jason Williams was actually the one that fostered that relationship with them um so that we could start we could start training with them
0: very nice very nice Again, you know, thank you, Dave, for being on. You know, I just I, I wanted to um, let the community know out there that enjoy the outdoors, go out and have a good time, you know, especially during this COVID time. You know, people just want to get out, but just be prepared. You know, think about not only your safety, but when you're out there and, you know, firefighters and, you know, positions on the helicopter, even sheriff deputies have to go, you know, do a rescue. It's our honor and privilege to do it, but it also puts us at risk. So we can minimize that risk. It's good for you. It's good for us. You know, uh, that, you know, that's, uh, that'd be a great thing for the public to make sure that, you know, they're prepared when they're going on hiking trips or whatever the case may be. Um, again, you know, thanks, Dave, for being on the show. You know, thanks for your leadership uh, that you sh- you've shown uh, to take leadership on, on this uh, project for MASU, yeah. And um it's always again, you know, every time you're you're given an assignment, you you take it to, you know, to the extreme, which is a good thing. And uh it's always a pleasure
2: Absolutely, Robert. And just see, if I could say one last thing is uh, I, I got to make sure to give credit where credit's due. And um, I really want to recognize uh, a few people, and that's um, our, our Sheriff uh, Manuel Gonzalez. He's been a huge advocate for this program and this collaboration and was part of the air unit, uh, you know, in, in his past before he was actually sheriff. And then uh, the undersheriff, Larry Corrin, um, who is just truly the reason there is even an air unit. Um, I mean, he, he was the part of the inception of what started off as an air unit, which was just a a fixed wing and now what we've grown into to having multiple air resources and then um our fire chief greg perez who's been absolutely instrumental in supporting us from the fire department side and then uh the individual on the on the fire department side that started this collaboration with the sheriff's department was our deputy chief of operations brian rose he was instrumental in making sure that 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 happened and then uh even our current uh uh, Deputy Chief of Administration, Zach Lardy, who was actually part of the program for a short period of time there was really, was really great. And then just everybody that's that's been involved. But I just truly want to recognize those individuals. And then uh, Jason Williams as well from the UNM Reach and Treat. He's been absolutely phenomenal work with uh, on, on this collaboration. And, um, you know, the, the one last thing that I do have to say is that. Um, just recently, we went to this last year. We went to Europe and uh, with this collaboration with UNM, and we've basically developed a curriculum with the university, the School of Medicine, in this program to offer what we call an AHEMS course, and it's uh, Alpine Helicopter EMS, and it's a kind of a branch offshoot of the Diploma of Mountain Medicine that they're currently offering. We're getting ready to actually put that first class on here in June, and we're bringing in people from other agencies to give them, get them a certification in what we do. And this curriculum has actually been accredited by the Icar. Commission, and that's the International Commission of Alpine Rescue, and uh, none of that would have been possible without Jason Williams. So, what we did find out when we were out there in Europe is that we were the um, we're the only agency that is currently under this platform that's doing something like that. So, it's uh, we truly have a world-renowned um, resource here in Bernalillo County. And it's just something we're super proud of, and uh, not necessarily for the pat on the back, but just it's really on the on the platform of everybody's hard work that's been through this program. Uh, people that have. Come in as medics and and are no longer in, and the same thing from the tactical flight officers to the sheriff's deputies to include right. the pilots. Everybody has a has a, has a piece of, of what we've been able to accomplish here. Right.
0: That's great, you know, just being a you know being fortunate enough to be a firefighter and actually see things work. Um, the relationship that we have with the sheriff's department, or even the Albuquerque police, and you know Albuquerque fire department, the men and women who serve firefighters and law enforcement, even the consortium with the UNM. I mean, just working with them it's it's uh you know in my opinion it's 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 state of the art um and they're great tools to utilize and uh, i i think the citizens of uh new mexico should be lucky and appreciate you know what kind of uh tools and resources that are available for them um, and the training out there to uh, to help them in you know, their time in need, for
2: sure. Well, thank you, Robert. We appreciate that. Thank and you so one much. One
0: thing, you know, I, what, I, what I like to say is uh, in the firefighter kingdom is, you know, find a, a charity for firefighters, you know, any charity, and we can start listening on, on our podcast. But go ahead and give to charities, you know, helping firefighters. You know, one thing I want to remember is uh, you had those firefighters in, in Los Angeles that got burnt. You watch those videos and they're crazy, you know, and Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a member of the public tell me, you know, and, you know, just from not being, you know, educated, but, you know, so how come they're up there? How come they just didn't run off the ladder? Well, it's different when you're up there and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, with training, you know, you, you can, you know, a a commanding officer of the scene could actually see events happen sometimes before they do, or kind of see signs that it's not going well. But in this particular situation, there's no signs. I mean, it just happened. I mean, just looking at the videos on on uh, on YouTube or even on the news that these guys, these firefighters, got burnt, you know, and they're so give uh, find some charity to give to the burnt units and, and help the firefighters out and you know, just some prayers and let the the firefighters in LA know that we're thinking about them. Local 112 there in, in Los Angeles and, you know, just signing off from Firefighter Kingdom. I'm gonna hand it over to uh, Vince and tell him uh, where we're at and to the great job he's done and, and giving it to. Uh, we're gonna
1: be on uh, what. what What channels are we on there Vince? We're on everywhere almost man. We're on iTunes. Go and subscribe to iTunes. Those people who have Apple devices even if you don't have an Apple device you can go and search on the internet for Apple Podcast Firefighter Kingdom. If you have Spotify app on your phone most people do Android or uh, Apple you can go and check out Firefighter Kingdom there. We're also on the internet on Google Play so let's say I don't have any devices. I don't even know how to do any of that stuff. You can open your internet browser. You can go to Google and search for Firefighter Kingdom. We come up on Google Play. We're going to be on youtube here in the next couple of weeks so we're launching a youtube channel we're going to be on there you can subscribe you can watch the videos of all of our pretty mugs on there as well but uh just from the public thank you guys for what you do i appreciate you being out there it's awesome to hear about people like dave and robert out there uh protecting us and keeping us safe so I appreciate everything you guys do and uh condolences to those in the la fires as well so signing off on my end on firefighter kingdom back to you robert cool
0: so don't forget to give us five stars on uh those uh, uh podcast uh, devices to that you're going to listen to or, or actually watch on youtube on facebook and uh go ahead and comment on there if you have any comments or questions you know uh we'll we'll try to answer them and or any suggestions on uh any uh, guests that you'd like to see on firefighter kingdom again signing off on firefighter kingdom have a good day